You were the originator of the iced cappuccino? False. <laughs> I did not say that. You heard it here first, guys. Brian Sheely invented the iced cappuccino. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 46 of the I Brew My Own Coffee podcast. We are the podcast for people who care about coffee. I'm your host, Brian Bikey, and joining me, as always, my co-host, he is the slogan for Skittles Incarnate, Brian Sheely. <laughs> What's going on, man? What is going taste, on? Taste the rainbow, brother. Taste the rainbow, man. <laughs> What's that? What's that voice there? Oh, hey, actually... Before we continue, we have a guest on with us tonight. He is a returning guest, too. He is your 2017 World Barista Champion. He is <laughs> Maxwell Mooney. Oh, man. Hey, guys. How's it going? <laughs> What's up, buddy? It's going pretty good. It's a lot to live up to, Brian. <laughs> this this feels uh, <clears throat> this feels a bit like deja vu, um, you know, just because didn't we, didn't we just have Max on the show? Not too long like, ago, episode 41. Yeah, um... And this is pretty cool because, like, almost immediately after the show, like, some seriously big stuff happened in uh, in your life. Yeah. And uh, I thought we'd sit down and talk about it. Yeah. I'm, if, uh, if that's cool. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't spill the beans on the last uh, show. Otherwise, I wouldn't uh, be here right now. <laughs> it was – no, really. And you didn't even – you didn't even say anything, like, after the show, which I was kind of upset about. I mean, it was – Man, I'm so sorry. I should have said something. Long I had to find out on Instagram and Twitter – with everyone oh, I'm else. So sorry. No, it's okay. So, <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk to Max on the show about something that not only he's doing, but I know I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys have have also thought about doing um as well. And so, you know, we won't spoil the story, but we'll we'll get into that in just a minute. Um we're going to start out the episode like we always do, talking about the coffees that we've been brewing and uh Max, can we put you on the spot? Absolutely. Yeah, um, lately I've been sipping on this really nice coffee from Passion House Coffee Roasters. It's their uh, Kenya Kieni Peaberry. Uh, it's really tasty, just classic, mm. juicy Kenyan coffee. Makes you stoked on everything. I think that's what I was, I was sipping on a Kenyan coffee last time we talked to. <laughs> it is the season, right? It is the season. Had had some really good ones lately. So, how are you brewing it? That's the big question. Man, I, I think I said this last time, and I'm just on a V60. Same. That's same that's thing okay. every time. <laughs> that's not. Uh, there's no shame in it. Yeah, I just like to get out of the way of the coffee. So. Yeah. Yeah. So would you? I, I think uh, during episode 41, maybe we talked about recommended brew methods for coffees and things like that. But I mean, is that if you were if you were giving somebody a, a rundown of a brew method to start off with as a coffee lover, would would V60 be kind of the first place that you would recommend people starting? Actually, I usually send people to the clever. Yeah, I actually Ooh. just gave somebody a clever that was just hanging out that I had. Um, nice. Just because it gives you a ton of options and flexibility. You can use it as a full immersion. You can use it as a as a pour over if you want, or you can blend the two. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's just really flexible, and it's easy. You don't have to have a kettle for it to work well, so you can kind of, you know, dip your toes in it without going full kettle scale, all that stuff, you know? So it's a, it's a nice entry point. So that's usually where I kind of send people first. Can you divulge I, into your clever recipe? Because mm. I know that you and Brandon uh, Weaver both have yeah. are kind of clever pro, uh, proponents. Is that the word? Probably, yeah. Fans. And it's the one device that I feel like I always get mixed results in. I used to love it. Huh. And then somehow, while changing nothing, everything changed. So, yeah, I get that. Um, well, uh, so Brandon Poe Weaver, that dude put me onto the clever um, 
So I'm just going to give him all the credit on that particular area. Uh, and I, all the tricks that I know, I learned from him. So, um, but some of the tricks that I have learned from him involve using filters that are not meant for the clever in the clever. So you can use a V60 filter. You can use Chemex filters, which I actually did for a Bre- or for Brewer's Cup one year. Uh, you can use um, just the normal number four filters. I do recommend using Filtropa filters if you're going to use number fours because the Melitas are pretty papery. Um, but yeah, so you can use all sorts of different filtration methods, which might be some of where you're landing on, um, Brian. But uh, yeah, one of the one of the more clever ways that uh, I like to use the clever, also Brandon stole Paul. that from Brandon Paul Weaver, <laughs> is uh, what he did for his 2013 Brewers Cup routine, which won him the Pacific Northwest Regional title. Uh, but it's basically where you where you bloom the coffee using the clever as a full immersion. So you get full contact to allow saturation to happen. Uh, and then whenever you're ready to start pouring more water, you set it on a decanter and then you use it as a pour over. So you're getting more fresh water to increase your osmotic pressure, getting you uh, cleaner extraction, more consistent, all that fun stuff. And what filter was Pretty sure that was that? the first reference to osmotic pressure on the episode. Oh, the yeah. Let's get a round of applause for osmotic pressure. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. Way to go. <laughs> Awesome. I'm trying right. this tomorrow. Uh, you should. Yeah, as well. It's really tasty. All right, Brian. How about you, man? What are you brewing? Uh, also, a Kenya pea berry. So this one is from Jeku Roasters. Nice. Is um, mm-hmm. I, I still don't actually know if that's the way you pronounce it, but I'm going to hope. So I got that in the most recent cafe box, one of the two coffees, and it's uh, fantastic. I, I thought it was great. I still have a lot more brews of it, so a lot of times I, I might say that I have a really great brew of a coffee, and then sometimes I don't hit other brews I make of it after the fact, but at least the cup that I made, uh, and this was a V60-01, uh, it was fantastic. It was, um, I gave it to, I think I gave it to my wife, and she was like, whoa, this is really delicious, and it was, it I thought it was an Ethiopian coffee at first because it had a lot of, uh, like, it kind of reminded me of oolong tea a little bit, a lot of candy fruit, uh, nice creamy finish. There's a a lot of stuff about it, but it was unlike a lot of Kenyan coffees that I'd had in recent memory. So really, really flavorful one. Brian has that. You've had that Mm, coffee. Yes. I was actually glad. I'm on I'm on Cafe Box's 750 gram subscription, and uh, so usually they give one 250 gram bag and then two 250 gram bags of the other coffee that they that they send out. And I was really happy that they sent out two uh, bags of that Kenya winner. So that was quite exciting. Yeah, um, Brian, no. what are you brewing? <laughs> um, so you know, I was talking recently. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name drop just because I feel like it. Oh, you um, fancy, huh? I, <laughs> so I was talking to Seth Mills uh, the other day, and uh, he said something really funny, and I had to laugh because you know how his position on uh, coffee notes and, and tasting notes and making sure that you're approachable and things like that. I asked him about this coffee if he'd, if he'd had this one, and I'll say what it is in just a second. Um, but his response was basically, um, if you've ever been to California Adventure – the uh, soaring over California ride. Um, there's a there's a point in the ride where you're actually like flying over uh, California and you fly over these orange groves and they spray the scent of orange in your face, and that's exactly how he described this coffee. Um, it's the Ethiopia Kayan Mountain from Quills Coffee. Oh my gosh! And it's 
it's like a spray of orange in the face, um, florals all over the place. It's super good. Um, and I, I had a laugh because, you know, we were selecting some coffees, I think at the beginning of the month for I brew my own coffee recommends. And Brian, you made me laugh because you were like, yeah, th- this was like right after you started at Quills. You're like, this coffee is amazing. I love it. And, uh, you're like, but I don't know if I want to, if I want to recommend it. I, I think that it, it might sound too biased if I was, you know, tooting, tooting our own horn at Quills. Right. So I knew at that point, like, well, I got to buy this coffee. So <laughs> I pulled the trigger and, uh, it is so good. I'm a, I'm a big Dude, fan. It's so great. And, uh, and it's cool to also see that, that other people who have tried this same coffee also really enjoyed it as well. So, right. And you, it's one of the reasons why we sent it out in our last recommends, uh, round to a bunch of people. So, right. Hopefully if you're getting into this one, uh, you, you get that punch of orange in the face and followed by a lot of florals. So. It's such a great coffee. There's a lot of really nice Ethiopian coffees around right now, but there, there were a few really memorable ones this year. I know that the, the one, the Chile Lake 2 that we had from Phil and Sebastian was one of those memorable oh, ones. Yeah. And this Kayon Mountain mm-hmm. is one of those as well. It's just ugh, super good. So and, yeah, I had a couple of those too this year. I had uh, Hearts Worka was just gnarly. And then mm-hmm. um, Nano Chala from, from uh, the barn out of Berlin. Those are both really killer. I'd like to try. Ethiopians. Did you try Hearts Nano Chala? Because Brian said that one was really good. I haven't. It's naughty. It's really good. <laughs> I'm a big fan. All right. So there's our coffees. Um, as we said, thanks, uh, Max, for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having us. me. Sorry and you uh, guys have to deal with me twice. No, it's okay. <laughs> I, I, it was really funny. Like uh, on Twitter a little while ago, somebody was uh, somebody was tweeting about episode 41, like weeks and months later. Yeah. You know, yeah, that was, yeah cool. that was Brandon Paul Weaver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was somebody, somebody else too. Somebody who remains nameless, Brandon Paul Weaver. Yeah, that um, guy too, though. I think I think the number one. He was just on Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast. <clears throat> yes, big big times. Someone I um, Brian, there was who was it? There was someone uh, that we know that was just recently featured in a Spread article. Who was that? Was it? Uh, oh man, I'm not sure who. I think was, it was. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Max. Maxwell. Yeah, it was Max. Yeah. Hey, Holy Moses, that was, was me. You. It that was, was really me. funny because we had uh, we had s- scheduled to like to have this conversation. Yeah. Um, and then I saw that Sprudge article, and yes, obviously I was very excited for you, but I was a little bit upset that they yeah. that they scooped us. But now, oh, hey, I'm it's so something sorry. to drop in the uh, show notes. <laughs> yes, hey, yo. so if you have another reference. Sprudge's article um, on Max's new project, which we haven't even talked about yet. I'll uh, throw one more in there. Yeah, so let's get started. Well, real you quick, ha- Coffee Compass also published oh, a no, really no, great article. I, so I have that link right up here. Dope. Um, Good work. Mr. Right. Butterworth has done a fantastic job. Actually, he got us all before. Yeah, he scooped everyone. all of you. Yeah, no, he he was the the real OG. Um, okay, so this podcast the brought to you by talk- Sprudge, by the Coffee Compass, and Brandon Paul Weaver. <laughs> Ding. Yeah. <laughs> so the reason why we're talking about all this not only is what Max has done very cool and exciting, and we're going to hear all about his stuff that he's been doing. Um, you know, I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast probably have a lot of gear or, you know, have an interest maybe in serving coffee for other people or doing uh, pop-ups or, you know, maybe you've, you've been asked by a friend to, to do some coffee at their wedding or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and so Max has kind of taken his uh, his little side project or hobby 
hobby project, I guess you could say, um, and turned it into a full-time thing, which is pretty awesome. Um, so tell us, Max, how, got, how Narrative Coffee got started. Yeah, so um, a narrative has been a dream of mine for years. Um, yeah, I've had the name and own the website rights and all that stuff for about three years now. Um, no, maybe longer, about four years now. Um, it started initially cause I was, you know, home roasting as many of you on this podcast or who listen to this podcast do as well, I'm sure. Uh, and I found a common phenomenon, uh, that happened with me is that once you start home roasting, everybody wants to buy coffee from you. All your friends are like, Hey, can I buy my coffee from you? So that happened to me and I was trying to figure out, you know, if I would call it something or, you know, something like that. And so I kind of was thinking about my values in the world of coffee and, um, the inequity that happens across the supply chain and those sorts of things. And, uh, felt like a way to address some of people's concerns with, um, paying a rightful price for their coffees is to help share the stories of the people who, who grew it and imported it and did all that work. So that's kind of where the narrative name came from. And then, uh, over the years, you know, I, started working in coffee, uh, for other companies, started it as a barista at Cafe Ladro in 2013, um, and started serving coffee to people and, uh, kind of my understanding of what coffee does as a, like a social connector and, and bringing people's stories and narratives together kind of informed another layer of, of meaning for me in the name narrative. And so then I kind of um, at while, when I was working at Spotted Cow, one of my coworkers, who is actually Narrative's only uh, employee currently, <laughs> asked <laughs> if I would uh, do coffee for her wedding, and so uh, I did that. And I had, you know, had basically the same kind of gear that everybody else on this show has. You know, I had some a pour over set up, and I had a little prosumer espresso machine, a Fama Charisma S1 um, that I had at home. So I did did uh, her wedding, and then when people found out that I did that, I had a bunch of other people asking me if I would do their weddings. Um, and so I did a couple more. And during that time I was given an espresso machine and a cart from a church that I had worked with, um, kind of way back in the day. And it was just sitting in their basement, taking up space. And I'd offered him money for it, like $500 for it, you know, a few years back before I ever worked in coffee and they didn't take me up on it. And then, uh, they just gave it to me about two and a half years ago or two years ago. Yeah, so. and and before you know, before you get too far down the road here, um, I think that was the. I remember following along, be like very tuned in to your posts around that time mm-hmm. when you, yeah. when you got that machine, um, and you were, I mean, really just like totally overhauling the thing. Yeah, it was. It looks nothing like it did <laughs> yeah. back then. Yeah. So what? What what machine was it? What did you do to it? I mean, yeah, totally. So it's uh, it's the same age as I am. It's a 1991 La San Marco FCS 85, which is kind of um, you can find them a lot in like drive-through stands up here in, in the Pacific Northwest and um, some of those sorts of things. But uh, they go fairly regularly on Craigslist. The model that I have is a little bit more rare. It has uh, all mechanical valves and paddles, so there's no electronics on it. So, um, it has a little bit more of a manual feel to it and you can actually do like pre-infusion on it, which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, so I, it's a two group and I just, it was this old ugly yellow color. Um, and so I, you know, first thing I order is you want to make it look a little bit nicer, but more than that, you got to make sure it works. So I stripped it down to its frame, um, replace all the gaskets, all the 
you know, right seals and O-rings and uh, made sure the groups were in working order, replace all the uh, dispersion block and the screen and baskets and portafilters. And, well, I didn't replace the portafilters, but I cleaned them up and soaked them in um, a bunch of PuroCaf and scrubbed the heck out of them. Um, and then I, you know, did a little rattle can job out in the garage and give it a nice paint job. Well, a nicer paint job. <laughs> yeah. So then I had a SM90 grinder, which is kind of the, the mated pair grinder for it, um, that I give the same color scheme. Uh, and it's, man, the thing is, it's not built for the light roast that I'm, that I'm putting through it now. So I have to turn the grinder on and then use the little hopper gate to drop coffee in after the grinder's already running. Otherwise it'll bog down and won't grind. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty funny, but the coffee stays really good. So, so, I mean, you've got this machine yeah. and you got this grinder. So continue. I mean, you, yeah, that, so that's obviously not the end. Of the it story, came, right? it came on a cart too. Um, and the cart was mostly set up. It didn't have a fridge, but it was uh, a really bad jade green laminate on the front of it. Um, mm. It was not very good, especially with like the yellow uh, espresso machine and grinder on it. So I painted the machine like this kind of bright white uh, on the front, and then the side panels were kind of a seafoam green teal color. Mm. Um, and then it has a really the the it has a like a badge on the front, like it says La San Marco and it has a lion and it's really bright gold and uh, it really pops against the white, but it, it just disappeared into the yellow that it was before. Um, but I painted the, the cart to match with like a white beadboard. So it's pretty simple, but it, um, it looks pretty nice. Um, yeah. So I did that and then I had to get the cart up to spec whenever I wanted to start getting into actually using it for service. So the cart itself, I mean, the, the the cart you're using right now is the cart that you had? Yeah, it is. It's back... the one that the church gave to me. Nice. Yeah. So did, it was did, wired up. and Did you, I mean, did it have speakers installed <laughs> on it when you got it? Yeah, it did. Um, did I, it really? They actually don't work. Oh, um, man. And whenever I, <laughs> I was thinking back about it, because uh, the speakers are cut in on the panels on the side, and I, mm-hmm. I cut out the panels to fit the speakers, and I didn't even think about the fact that I could just not cut out the hole and just cover up the speaker area with my panels. So yeah. they're just kind of hanging out there. So, but I use a Bluetooth speaker, um, yeah. on the top. So we've talked a little bit about the cart. We've talked a little bit about the gear and whatnot. Let, let's yeah. talk about you, where you are and, and why you decided to come out of where you were with spotted cow and do this now and do this full, totally. full gig. Yeah. So, um, I guess part of it should kind of back up a little bit to while I was at spotted cow, so, um, I, there's a city in, in Washington called Everett and it's, um, kind of got a bit of a bad rap. It's kind of known as being uh, a little, you know, more poor and more crime ridden. Um, and it's the largest city in my County It has 105,000 people live in it and about 40,000 people commute in every day. Um, and it doesn't have any specialty coffee really at all. There's uh, one one shop in the library of the of Everett's library called Bookend that does some some nice coffee and it's totally drinkable. But it's um, yeah, it's a little tucked away and those sorts of things. So, uh, but you know, barring them, there's a little place called Silver Cup that does kind of second wave coffee fairly well. Uh, but other than that, there's nothing of this style at all. You know, of like kind of lighter roasted coffees and multi-roaster thing, pour over focus and those sorts of things. So it just seemed like a big need in the community. And I had a lot of people coming in to spot a cow all the time. We were like, Hey man, I like, I drove down here from North Everett. Like I'm, you know, I have to drive 
25, 30 minutes to get to a, a coffee shop that I can enjoy things at. Um, and I've been pretty involved in Everett for a while. The church that I used to work for was in Everett as well. So, you know, I knew the community fit really well. And, um, and so I was like pitched a spot of cow and I was like, Hey, like I, I think Everett's a really good spot. You know, the, the city has a really comprehensive and progressive plan to grow like the city. And, um, I think there's a lot of, uh, like everything's kind of coming in at the right time, uh, to, to be out here. And so I pitched that in January of 2015, yeah, January in 2015. And, um, they weren't as excited about the idea as I was. And so I was like, well, you know, kind of work on doing it myself. And so I had a business plan drawn up within a month and, um, started working on getting out there and scouting for locations and, um, yeah, put a lot of work into it. You know, I wrote a full 25 page business plan and three year financial projections and all those sorts of things. And so I've been just looking really hard for a space, um, for a while now and, um, not really wanting to advertise that too much to people until I was actually ready to do something, uh, which is good. Cause that was, you know, over a year and a half ago <laughs> that I started looking, uh, and, you know, I kind of checked out a couple spaces that were kind of working out okay, but they weren't quite the right fit. So I've just been, been waiting for the right spot. And so, uh, I was talking to the city and it's like, you know, I had this cart that I had put together. I did a, a friend's wedding, uh, with a cart. And so I was like, well, I have this cart just sitting here and like, I might as well do something with it. And so I let the city know, I was like, Hey, I've got this cart. Like if you guys can think of anywhere that I can, I can serve coffee, you know, I'd, I'd reached out to a couple of barber shops and some of those things that, um, you know, there's a, a couple of really awesome coffee shops that are connected with barber shops. And so I thought that might be kind of a cool thing. Shout out to parlor coffee and turbo coffee down in Alabama. <laughs> um, and so I was like, kind of looking at that as like, man, maybe I could do something like that just for the kind of the time being. Um, and wasn't getting any bites from anybody. Um, so I talked to the city though, and they said, well, yeah, there's this, this park that's like supposed to have a concession stand, something or another in it. Uh, and it hasn't yet. So maybe we can get you in there. And that's what happened. So you're here at, you're basically in front of a theater. Yeah. So, right? yeah. So, um, the, there's a, like a play theater called the village theater and it's part of the Everett performing arts center. And in the middle of it, like the acts as a courtyard, there's the big theater and then there's a children's theater and kind of in between it, there's a, a city park called the Wetmore Plaza Park. And um, the city put in this really cool art installation. There's a nice fountain, like it's supposed to be like a public space where people can come hang out. A lot of people eat their lunches and stuff out there. Um, and so it's supposed to be kind of a, a really cool communal public space. And so the the initial plan was to have some sort of place where people could get food and stuff and, and hang out. So that kind of, uh, I, they have a, an actual concession stand space. that's like 150 square feet, um, that I actually store the cart in. Um, but I, it's really tucked away and hidden and I knew that nobody would see me if I was, if I was actually inside it. So I decided to, to do something outside in the plaza on the cart because it would be a little bit more visible and people would see. Yeah, I, I you um I think you posted on one of the Instagram stories a few days ago uh, your video of threading the needle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. moving the moving the cart outside. Yeah, I mean that that's a pretty tight squeeze you got there. Yes. Yeah, well, the funny thing is, you don't what you don't see is that I had to actually take off the handles on my cabinets, and also there's like an edge band, like a rubber protective edge band that goes around either side of the countertop on the bar, and I actually I actually have to remove that to be able to fit through the door. So it's, it's a, it's pretty tight fit. 
That's crazy. I've gotten pretty good at it, though. So Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. You have to do it every day. Um, so how's the, uh, you know, how's the reception been since you've oh, man. set up here? It's been really good. Yeah. I mean, I, to, just to, cool. not, not to hit pause on your answer. Like I have friends who are making it a, a point to stop in and go visit you. I mean, this is like you, you've become a destination for, for coffee nerds, you know, which is <laughs> I know, it's, pretty it's, great. It is. <laughs> it's, it's kind of bizarre to me actually. Um, but I'm, I'm really thankful. So the kind of the reception has been, um, I have had an incredible number of very vocal, like excited people supporting what, what we're doing at narrative. Um, it's just people sharing stuff. Like when the, the spread article got published today, I think mm-hmm. over 30 of my friends shared it. Nice. Like that blows my mind. That's, that's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. and so I've just had an incredible amount of support from, from my friends and people in the coffee community coming out and the city of Everett's really stoked about like the folks who come over and, and check it out. They're really excited. And I've had a lot of regulars from the, from the community. Um, I'm still tr- like, we're, you know, the, I'll just be frank. The num like the amount of people that I'm serving is not nearly as much as I was at Spotted Cow. Like you know, definitely a lower volume. I'm I'm paying for myself, but um, you know, I'm not like making buku bucks off this thing or anything. Sure. Um, but that was never my plan. So, you know, the the plan was that this would be a way to serve our community and get to know folks a little bit ahead of time while still looking for that brick and mortar and, and finding a place to settle in. So uh, what what does your menu look like? I mean, you've got. Obviously, you've got a bunch of different uh, coffees from different roasters. Yeah, I mean, how do you how do you choose which coffees that you're serving? You know, what does your actual menu look like? Totally. So um, I'll start with the coffees um, and the roasters that we work with. So the roaster model that I use is um, intentional and rotating. So the kind of the way that it works is I have a seat for different places. So I have a seat for a Snohomish County roaster, which is a spotted cow. Um, that's pretty much my only static roaster. Uh, I still help out with sourcing there and, um, still try to be as uh, active and spotted cow as I can. Um, and so I'm really thrilled with being able to serve their coffees there. And then I have a Pacific Northwest regional roaster spot um, that can be filled up by you know anyone within the Pacific Northwest region, which also actually includes Canada. Um, and then uh, I have a national or an international slot. Um, and so the first month that was Steadfast Coffee Roasters out of Nashville. And then this month has been the barn from Berlin, Germany. Woo-hoo. Yeah. So, and those are all, the intent behind that is to be able to, introduce folks who aren't used to specialty coffee to different perspectives within the specialty coffee world. So that way we can kind of offer an experience tailored toward mostly everybody is kind of the idea. Um, and so the menu itself starts out with uh, filter coffees. So that's just, you know, pour overs. We offer two options a day. Um, and there's kind of one more, you know, classic comforting option and one more adventurous, um, sort of option. And, Usually, uh, all three roasters will be represented every day, um, but not always. Uh, but yeah, so usually it's a Central American and an African or a really intense, like natural Central American with another kind of more classic Central or something like that. So those are the filter coffee options. And then the espresso rotates every day. Monday, Wednesday, Fridays are Central American coffees or Indonesian coffees. And then Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays are African coffees. And those all just rotate out every day based on whatever is, you know, like needing to be used up or uh, is tasting the best, you know. Um, and I try to keep that as changing every day. So we, I try to offer one coffee from every roaster 
throughout the week and try not to do espresso with the same coffee over and over again. Um, I've had mm-hmm. a couple of repeats, but it's usually just because the coffee's so good, I have to have it again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then, the you know, it's an espresso and milk-based menu. So from there, it's espresso and milk and then uh, four, six, eight, or 12 ounces. Uh, and we use milk from a, a really incredible dairy that's close by. Uh, and then we have some summer seasonal drinks, so got like a ice cortado which is more of a puerto rican style um sweetened cortado that's equal parts espresso and milk and uh gets shaken and then i strain out the ice so it kind of has the same general shape as a cortado uh, but it's iced mm-hmm. and then uh we have an iced cappuccino uh shout out to stop nick. yeah for real shout out to nick cho actually for putting me <laughs> onto that idea shout out to nick um, cho yeah this episode never mind. Uh, yeah, no, this is the worst. Uh, I'm sorry to do this to y'all. That's <laughs> no, fine. But yeah, that's uh, espresso and steam foam milk poured over ice, and it's. I thought it would be horrible, and it blew my mind, and so I was like, "Fine, I'll put it on my can menu." I, can I tell you something? Sure. Um, just as as a as somebody who used to work at Starbucks a very very long time ago. Yeah. And uh, you know, say say whatever you will about Starbucks is fine, but um, yeah, I did that a long time ago too. Yep. So. Not that I was the originator of that. I, was, I just always thought it was funny because you would get people coming in there ordering iced cappuccino. You were the originator of the iced cappuccino? I, that is false. <laughs> false. I did not say that. Did you guys you hear heard it here first, I guys. I did not say that. Ryan Sheely invented the iced cappuccino. <laughs> you hear that, Nick? Ryan Sheely created <laughs> oh, the iced cappuccino. No, but, you know, you get bored and you, and you think, like, well, I'm going to give them what they ordered. And, and oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome though. Have, do you get a lot of people ordering it? Oh yeah, yeah. That and the ice cortado, I'd say, are definitely like the cult classics that I have of people who just come in and they're like, oh, "I've been dreaming about this all day." <laughs> now the ice cappuccino so, isn't shaken, is it? Or no, you, no. Okay, so it's just served over ice with the, just yep. Nice. What about the so, raspberry ritual mocha? Yeah, dude. <laughs> is that secret menu? Am I not allowed to bring that up? No, you can totally bring it up. I actually, it's funny. You know, I'll get people walk up who don't look at the menu and they order like you know like a white mocha soy white mocha or something and i'm like i'm sorry i don't have that um but every like i've had three people walk up and be like can i get a raspberry mocha and i'm like actually yes i can make that for you (laughs) so uh yeah i have a couple different syrups i I make some sodas from scratch um you know just house-made syrups uh and i have uh a raspberry patch in the back of the garden um and so i just picked raspberries and made a syrup out of it so it's really fresh and delicious raspberry syrup that i can mix with uh the mocha and we use uh, Ritual's chocolate, which is just so good. I'm not gonna not gonna get into the chocolate too much because Brian Bikey over here is like the the chocolate king. But we can totally I talk about chocolate. So we got Ritual I at the shop too. Believe, I cannot believe the stacks of chocolate that I saw in a post recently. I know it. Mm. I mean, I've, you, it's insane. I'm required. Anyway, I'm now required to bring in chocolate every day to work. <laughs> <laughs> you probably could for the rest of the year and probably have to buy again. Yep. Okay, yeah. so that sounds delicious. The, yeah. The res- yeah. Now, do you? And I got a couple cocktail-inspired drinks on there too. Do you bring any Japanese whiskey in? <laughs> no, I don't. Um, for those who don't know, Brian Bikey and I shared a glass of. Uh, oh my goodness! I'm Hibiki Twelve. Hibiki right? Twelve. Yeah, Hibiki Twelve at a pizza joint in Kansas City <laughs> with Nate Woodrow. <laughs> the last place I'd expect to find Hibiki Twelve, and it was there, and it was awesome, and that was a great night. Shout out Dang. to Nate Wood. Yeah, <laughs> this podcast brought to you by Nate Wood. No, oh man, too many shoutouts. So many shoutouts. Got so many so sponsors many. this episode. It's like when you, it's like when you tweet for a while, and then all of a sudden, like more and more people get on to the tweet, and then you have like ten characters to actually yep. write a tweet to to 
you know, mention And somehow Nick Cho yeah. ends up in every one. All the time. Seriously? No. no. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's funny because, um, you know, obviously this was well before you went full out and started doing um, doing this, uh, this particular pop-up. But I know um, back when I saw you post about um, the wedding that you did, Mm-hmm. Um, or at least one of the weddings that you did with the new machine and yeah, yeah. everything all set up. And it was super inspiring. And, you know, it was, it was kind of one of those things that I was thinking about in the back of my mind when I got asked to do a wedding recently yeah. um, and serve coffee for. And so I remember, like, the very first person I'm I'm going to ask about, you know, recipes and specific things like that was you. Um, and uh, so you – I asked you about syrups, basically. Yeah. That was, that was our conversation for everybody who wasn't involved in that conversation. Um and you gave me a recipe for syrup. So are you making all your own syrups from scratch? How many how many yep. do you have on hand usually and, and why? What do you what do you do with them? Um I think right now I have six total. Um mm-hmm. three of which are good for kind of being integrated well, four. Uh they're good for being integrated with coffee and then the other ones that are used for um the sodas that I make. Uh but yeah, I they're intentionally chosen to kind of give me flexibility to be able to kind of meet the needs of, of the folks that I'm serving who might not be used to specialty coffee. Um, so I have a vanilla and agave, which is actually a really nice light flavor sweetener for coffee and, um, then the honey lavender and, uh, the raspberry can get tossed in there too. Nice. Yeah. So I make those at a commissary, which is spotted cow actually, but yeah. So let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, getting the the cart set up and some things that maybe you you came across that you didn't expect or just just talk about some of this because and, and I'll br- I'll bring up one that eventually I'm sure you'll get into but because I, I know recently some some of your posts have been something like there was something wrong with the machine or something wrong with the grinder you have you know what are what are some things that you've run into so that if you know Brian was going to again I was going to again another listener was thinking about setting up a cart doing pop-up mm-hmm. and stuff what kind of things did you did you not think about what kind of things do you, yeah. are like tips to like make sure you think about and then just maybe what are some things that you ended up running into because of usage or whatever yeah so um yeah i mean i use an older espresso machine and grinder setup um mostly because I didn't have to spend thousands of thousands upon thousands of dollars to get it, to get started. Uh, but you know, that comes with its challenges. You have a little bit more maintenance sorts of things, just like driving an old car, you know, you gotta kind of think about that. Um, but luckily I haven't had it go down too much. I had it go down once, but we got that back up and running fairly reasonably. Uh, but making coffee outside has its challenges. Um, especially from like a specialty coffee, like kind of nerd who wants to control all my variables, like being outside just, smacks you in the face with the fact that you can't control all your variables um you know the wind i get so much wind i'm right next to the ocean so the wind just whips up and just takes everything so i have like little glasses holding down all my my lids and half the time my scales won't read accurately because the wind is blowing the top around or whatever's oh, on top gosh. of it around <laughs> so you know it's that's that's a pretty big challenge um and there are times where i just have to you're like, well, this scale is not going to read. So I just have to trust my gut on it. Um, you know? And so, I mean, that's a, that's a, a real challenge that comes with brewing coffee outside. And then you also have to, you know, like some days you forget to empty out the, the wastewater tank and all of a sudden you've got a little bit of an overflow, you know, those sorts of things. Um, yeah. So 
um, those are some just some like challenges of brewing outside there uh, that I didn't really think about that kind of hit me every day. Um, the wind, especially. So I have like my menu is on a clipboard that has a binder clip attached to it to keep it from flying off, and um, you know, lots of those little things. Yeah, it's funny how you know sometimes you think about putting on a clipboard and you think, hey, I'm going to put it on a clipboard so that it doesn't blow away, but you forget that wind can blow the other direction and it just yeah. flip, flips it up and it just yeah. flips in there. Other or thing, the clipboard itself away. <laughs> right. And when, when I used to play music, it's for some reason I never think about uh, – so I, I, when I played guitar in a band and we would play outdoor festivals or whatever and didn't think about the fact that you can't see if any of your effects pedals have visual displays – Oh yeah, and then when the sun's on it, you can't you can't read any of it. You can't mm-hmm. see any of the LEDs or anything. Do, do you run into that too? Like with, I mean, I guess scale would be the only thing you might run yeah. into that's like luckily, that. luckily the space that I'm that I'm stationed at regularly is um, pretty much always shaded, so uh, it keeps me from getting super wicked sunburnt all the time. Um, and then also I can read scales and those sorts of things a little bit easier. So. Yeah, sunscreen's another thing that I didn't really think about whenever I first started, and I came home with a pretty big sunburn the first day. (laughs) In my house, um, water management is my job. Um, And when I serve coffee at work at my desk, water management is my job. Um, How do you handle water at your cart? Um, So to the chagrin of basically everybody else, Washington water is actually pretty solid. Um, And by pretty solid, I mean not solid. Um, It comes out like at... You know, on the it's on the lower end of things, but sixty to eighty TDS is or parts per million is pretty regular for our water straight out of the tap here. Dang. There's not a lot of chlorine. It's it's pretty good, um, so I don't really have to do too much to it. Um, I have been experimenting a little bit with Matt Perger's uh, water recipe, so you can find that on Barista Hustle, I think, where you make a batch of concentrate out of um, Epsom salt and baking soda, um, and you can kind of start with distilled water or 100% pure RO water and kind of make a, a recipe for your water and blend it that way. Um, but being on a cart, your your cart uh, most of the times is going to be fully self-contained as far as plumbing goes, so you actually get to control the water very easily um it's not nearly as expensive as getting like an ro blending system or something that's going to run you into the eight to thirteen thousand dollar range or something ridiculous you know so um that's pretty much how i do it for those did, that didn't hear this episode brought to you by matt Berger. <laughs> oh man <laughs> all these shouts yeah. out yeah this is the this is the name dropping episode apparently good night i'm sorry y'all <laughs> Again, <laughs> no, okay. None of the people we're talking about listen to this podcast, so it doesn't matter. Hey yo! Obviously, this is this is more of a venture than just like you know setting up your cart outside, and you know, like a lot of us would probably end up doing if we tried to, like you know, serving at a wedding or something like that. It's going to be probably you know not dealing with the same challenges. I mean, you're basically a full up business now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, out in front doing doing your thing. What challenges are you facing that you kind of never expected to? Well, I mean, you know, you being a, a business that serves the public, you know, I have to go through a variety of different channels to make sure I'm fully legal. So, um, you know, I'm legally defined as a push cart in Snohomish County. So I have have to have a full health inspection, um, just like every other, you know, coffee shop does. I have to pay the, you know, seven, eight hundred dollars total that I had to do to be able to get open. 
Um, and then I have to have a commissary, which I mentioned before is uh, spotted cow, but that's a place that I can operate out of that'll, you know, legally let me wash my dishes and do all that stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. But it's interesting too. Um, Washington, I don't know what laws are like everywhere else, but I, I imagine they're pretty similar because I think this is why you see the popularity of those uh, trikes that push, like, kind of pedal around the cities that they're in and serve off nitro cold brew. Mm-hmm. Um, in Washington state, if you don't have ice inside of a cup or if you don't have milk of any sort, then you don't actually have to have a health certification. So you can serve, like, pour over only coffee or you can serve, like, nitro tapped cold brew or something like that and you don't have to have health certification at all Um, interesting so you know like if you're really wanting to get out there and start doing something that can be a way to kind of get started for a minimal investment and um you can start getting some cash flow that way which is how you know you get loans and those sorts of things so right yeah could you see yourself doing that ever i mean could you see yourself going to i mean not not like a trike with a cold nitro cold brew I would like to see a picture of that, by the way. You, you, you riding around. Is that a fat <laughs> joke? No, I'm just kidding. No, no, it's not a fat Dang, joke. Dang, Brian. <laughs> Jeez, man, I'm sensitive. No, but. <laughs> oh, he comes up with ice cappuccino, all of a sudden he thinks he's a king. <laughs> Take him. <laughs> Lost people around. Take him down a pig. Come on, I'm sick. <laughs> Chill out. We know you're sick. So. If I mean, could you ever see yourself like dropping the espresso machine and just doing a doing a pour over cart as like oh. a minimal kind of thing? Uh, no, no way, not anymore. Really? I mean, I already yeah. spent the money to get certified, so. Well, I be... mean, now now obviously you've got you've got this, but I mean, yeah. I mean, would you recommend to somebody like? Do you think somebody could actually make a significant chunk of change? Maybe doing pour uh, maybe, over only. Maybe in the right context. I mean, there's a coffee company here in Seattle called Convoy Coffee that started by doing bikes and then they made aero presses and v60s for people at farmers markets mm-hmm. um utilizing that exact loophole uh and they they got enough to where they could get some crowdfunding going and then they put in a little shop um inside of an, an awesome building so i mean it, it's possible you have to really hustle though um you know yeah. it's not it's not as simple as just saying okay i'm just gonna you know hop up and start doing stuff you have to build a clientele and uh because you don't have milk like you you have to make sure you're in a place where people will try it um yeah but i mean you can you can do it well you can do events and stuff that are big and um we actually did one event prior to this the everett food truck festival last year which is coming up again next week on uh this week actually on saturday uh we did that last year and we just served cold brew and sodas and some of those things um and we did it was a successful event you know we we brought in around eight hundred dollars uh which is solid so i mean if you find the right events you can do it uh, but you also have to i wouldn't quit your day job and just start directly off of that uh, i would kind of you know pick your battles and pick some events and things like that to try now brian you've done you've done a couple pop-ups or at least um one one that i can remember um and that was your kind of approach right like you didn't drag out the revel dual boiler to your to your little pop-up right i mean you're nope i uh i was kind of working with nova a little bit on the concept of just doing because it was warmer outside and so i was doing nitro floats um which ended up turning into cold brew floats but still we just did we did cold brew floats so something i was able to easily serve uh to folks and then i did a couple of pop-ups with novel uh, excuse me i did one of the pop-ups with novel the other pop-up i didn't do with them the first one we just did pour over, so we brought out the grinder and some V6003s, and we would uh, do some brews for people either by the cup or we'd 
we'd brew up a V603 and then put it in a press pot. And yeah. um, then the second time they went out, I believe they brought their espresso machine and were pulling espresso for folks. It was in a, a record store, Josie Records, there in uh, outskirts of Dallas proper. And yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean, I've I've never actually just done straight up pour over at a at any any little service event that I've ever done. Um, it seems like the, you know the most popular drink uh, that I made at, at the wedding that I did was an iced mocha. I yeah. think I basically make made those the entire time. Mm-hmm. I mean, with 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 a few exceptions of I had an espresso and tonic and some other things. Actually, um, going back to to that the the pop up that I did in the winter was with the ratio. So mm. I wasn't doing manual brews, but I was doing just straight filter. So I was just doing, um, uh, you know, uh, a brew, all the brews were done on the ratio and I would do several different brews. I had a couple of different thermoses that I would put them in afterwards. And so people could side by side various holiday blends or whatever coffee. It was all Christmas coffees. Mm-hmm. That's cool. What, what would you say, Max, your, your most popular beverage is currently? Um, right now, my my consistently my most popular beverages are the filter coffee, then ritual mochas, uh, and then um, iced cortados. After that, filter coffee being your your most popular, really. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, you know, I get a lot of folks who are like, "I just want a cup of coffee." I'm like, "Okay, cool, sweet. Make you a cup of coffee," and that's pretty much how it goes. So well, they're coming to the right spot. Yeah, right. that's what. I, that's usually what I say. I'm like, "Oh, you're in, you're in a good place." So you got a so. you got any big plans? Um, anything you want to? Anything you want to let us in? I on, do on the no, in the know. Yeah, uh, here, on, here on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So I didn't didn't break any big news uh, the last time, so I'll break a little bit this time. Sweet. Uh, I have found a brick and mortar space. Ooh, what? So, yep. Can I let you in on, on a little secret? What? I knew that. I know. I know. Can I let you in on a little teased, secret? I teased a couple people. Lo- loose lips sink ships. That's <laughs> awesome, though. Yeah. Very cool. I'm stoked. It's, no um, more su- no more sunscreen. No more sunscreen. Hot dog. And hopefully by the time it'll be ready, it'll, it'll probably be firmly into winter. So, <laughs> well, that- so is the space nearby where you're at now? Yeah, it's actually less than two blocks away. Um, so I have the benefit of not, you know, losing the people that I've been able to serve. Um, but I'm moving really close to all the government buildings in um, Everett. So oh, that's awesome. Like, the largest source of downtown employees uh, is. I will be right next to so. So are you switching excited. from cart? Uh, are, are you keeping cart kind of form in a building? Or are you gonna, you know, you were mentioning stuff about permits. Are you gonna go all out and make it like a shop, shop, shop? Oh yeah, yeah, we're going all out. It's gonna be a shop, shop. So shop, 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 shop. So real hours. Yeah, it's like eighteen hundred square feet. It's got really beautiful brick walls and exposed rafters and skylights and some old architecture for downtown Everett. Yeah. I, I'm not going to go out on a limb here and say, but when you open or, or, you know, the day that you guys, you know, open up shop, you know, let me know. Cause I want to be there. All right. I, I, I would totally fly. I'd seriously I'll totally fly, fly out there. too. I'll do the same thing. <laughs> Brian, I will send you guys Brian, to the This will be opening. the first time that we ever meet. <laughs> that would be incredible. We could meet him at narrative. That'd be incredible. We'd do a hashtag. Do a hashtag. See you at my house. See you at your house. If you all think that we we, should crowdfund Brian and I meeting and doing a tour of coffees on the West Coast. That's the the lamest thing ever. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I What? Crowdfunding a coffee thing? People do that all the time, right? Hey, guess what? I got a new brewing device. Oh, yes. 
Crowdfund it. Anyway, sorry. Crowdfund it. That's exciting. Some cold brew in 10 minutes. Super exciting. So what's uh, what's that timeline look like? Do you have a rough guess on that? Well, no. I I, I haven't gotten enough estimates from contractors yet to have a, a firm grasp. My kind of hopeful expectation is maybe by the end of November, early December. But generally speaking, they say to plan for it to take twice as long and three mm-hmm. times as much money as you expect it to for yeah. <laughs> a shop. So uh, don't quote me on that yet. But yeah. Well, we won't quote you on a thing, but man, that's super exciting. Yeah, um, man, I'm really excited. You got you got any solid advice for for somebody looking to to go down the path that you've gone down? Yeah, um, I mean, if you're here's, I got a couple pieces of advice. Um, if you haven't worked in a coffee bar yet, I I'd strongly encourage you just to try to work at a coffee shop, even just on weekends or something, just to get some experience of working in a in a coffee bar regularly. Especially one that's, you know, a little bit more on the fast pace end of things if you can. I know those jobs can be a little hard to come by. Um, but just like for little bar design things and, and those sorts of things, like, man, it's it's really helpful to have some experience. Or if not, you know, find somebody who you really trust who has been in coffee and can help guide you. Um, just, be, you know, that's not to say that you aren't good at brewing coffee and making coffee taste good. But just to say that working behind a bar requires a few different kind of perspective things than you might have coming from home. And, and I know this firsthand cause I started out brewing coffee just at home and, you know, being really focused on preparation and technique and all those sorts of things. And then coming into a commercial setting, it's just a different, different beast. So, um, if you're a home user and, and looking to maybe, you know, chase a dream like I am, um, I would recommend just spending a little time getting to know that first. Uh, and then another big thing, and I can't stress this enough, is to get a business mentor. Get somebody who has worked in business and can help guide you, you know, find somebody in a restaurant or, um, you know, another coffee shop. It can be in the same region or a different region, but find somebody who can help you just navigate all the different things that it takes to open up a coffee shop. Because, uh, you know, it's all the romantic things of getting to pick equipment and all that stuff. It's that's the minimal stuff like you know that's not the normal day-to-day stuff the big thing is sitting with spreadsheets and like doing market research and figuring out you know like you're doing all your cost benefit analysis for all your drinks and figuring out your profit margins and all those sorts of things like those are all the realities of owning a business um and it's not as romantic as some of the other stuff so you know if you want to work long nights and uh, not be able to pay yourself for a while, you know, then I definitely recommend it. Just get a business mentor to make sure that you can pay yourself eventually. So yeah. how yeah. about, how about on the, uh, on the hospitality side? I know obviously, you know, you talked about, uh, having somebody or having some cafe experience too, but you know, it seems like you more than maybe some people are focused on this being sort of a, a real experience or something that's, that you're putting a lot of, um, one-on-one connection to people with. Yeah. Um, I mean, how, how do you even go about like training for something like that or figuring out what to do on the hospitality end? I mean, the big thing is to think of like, imagine yourself walking into this place that you're going to create and imagine yourself as being somebody who doesn't have any experience with specialty coffee and then try to figure out like what questions would you have if you walked into your place or you walked up to your pop-up or, you know, um, and try to account for those scenarios, try to think of ways that it would be helpful for you to learn, you know, like what is a ritual mocha or what, what does a filter coffee mean? You know, those sorts of things. Um, think through every scenario that you can of what it would be like for somebody to walk into your shop under 
scenario of not being a coffee drinker or being a serious coffee drinker, like, you know, and just try to think through all of the different scenarios that people could walk up to you with and try to learn how to account for them, try to develop some language that could be helpful. Um, you know, and, and one of the biggest things in any coffee setting is that you, you sometimes need to, um, you know, kind of de- catch people early on, uh, when they come up to your, your shop and kind of help walk them through and explain your menu and explain like, you know, kind of your approach to things. And you, know, you don't want to beat them over the head and be like, here's what we do. Like we're doing this, you know, we're way better than coffee shop X, Y, and Z because of these, <laughs> you know, and, and people can sometimes get that way if they're really passionate. Yeah. Um, and, and that's okay. But you also need to make sure that you approach things with a gentle, like, here's what we're doing. We're really excited about it. Let me know if you have any questions and you know, you need to give people time to digest things. So um, those are a couple little tips, I guess. Yeah, I I can't imagine. I like even, you know, with just the small experience that I've had of like serving coffee for people or in the office or mm-hmm. you know, wherever it's been, it's it's just always interesting to, you know, you experience so many different levels of, of interest in coffee. And, you know, while, while I feel like I have these like really high standards and, you know, sometimes in serving people, you know, you... you, you need to be focused on approachability mm-hmm. you know maybe to i don't know to the exclusion of your thoughts on standards or whatever that might absolutely. be absolutely i mean at the end of the day you're not the one drinking that beverage and your yeah. ultimate goal as a, a hospitality professional should be to make sure that people have something that they enjoy um that's not to say that you should just go out and ditch everything that you love and care about and just start serving like mochaccinos or whatever <laughs> but you know like to to try to at least have some options for people um, that you can have some tools w- that are available to you to make sure that anyone who walks up to your shop can have a, a good time uh, and find something that they might like, hopefully. We don't serve coffee. We serve people. Dang. Stole that from Brandon Paul Weaver. <laughs> Shout out to Brandon Paul Weaver. This show brought to you by... Maxwell, again, we thank you for spending some time with us again, and we're we're super excited to see and to continue to watch grow, and especially with that... Uh, information to watch the future of narrative coffee so thanks again for being on and for sharing a little bit with us here yeah thanks so much for having me is there anyone you want to shout out while we're doing shout outs on this episode (laughs) (laughs) man i have shouted out enough people (laughs) so maxwell whether it uh, be you or narrative preferably both how can people find you if they're looking for you online cool we'll start with narrative um you can find us on the interwebs at narrative.coffee uh, that's our website address and also our Instagram handle. Uh, so narrative.coffee on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter at narrative coffee. Uh, and we're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash narrative coffee. Uh, me personally, you can find me on t- Twitter at Maxwell a Mooney on Facebook at Maxwell Mooney on Instagram as Maxwell a Mooney. And also my milk doodles at seed bearing. Uh, did I forget any? No, I think that's it. Cool. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, You can find us on Instagram at iBrewMyOwnCoffee. You can find us on Twitter at BrewMyOwnCoffee. If you want to check out the show notes for this episode, it'll be chock full of a lot of uh, shout outs and links. Uh, You can head over to iBrewMyOwnCoffee.com slash 46, and that will be where you'll find the show notes for this episode. If you want to send us an email or contact us, click the contact us link at the top of the page. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. And until next episode, happy popping up, everybody. Pop, pop, pop. <laughs>